The city of Louisville agreed to a settlement with the family of Breonna Taylor six months after police shot her in her sleep. Chris Evans finally commented on a certain picture he shared last weekend. And if you're wondering what the heck you can do about climate change, same here. That's why we're talking with Dr. Ayana Johnson, co-host of the podcast, How to Save a Planet. The date, September 15th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey, everyone. I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. Casey, uh, I, I am disturbed to report that your smoke has made it out here to New York City at this what? point, I'm pretty sure. No. Yeah. yeah, it has drifted across the country. And yesterday it was all weird in D.C. And today this forecast was supposed to be like abundant sun. And, it, and the sun is definitely out, but there is like a gray sheen over the sky. And I'm like, hmm, cool. <laughs> yes. Uh, welcome to my life. Yeah, I'm not a fan uh, at all. You should really do something about those fires, Casey. Oh, yeah, sure. I'll get right on it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, it's all so bad. How are you doing out there right now? I mean, you know, it's actually it's tougher in the morning. You wake up and it's a lot of smoke. But my air purifier got here yesterday. And for people out there who have realized that every air purifier is out of stock, I know that there are a lot of great hacks out there by like getting a big box fan and then getting a box filter, like a cheap one, and you attach them together. And that really helps reduce the smoke. So there are definitely tons of suggestions out there to help everyone just like cope with this awful breathing air. News o'clock, news you can use out there. (laughs) Okay, time for today's top stories. Here's what you need to know. The city of Louisville, Kentucky, has come to a settlement with the family of Breonna Taylor six months after local police shot and killed her in her sleep. Officers executed a controversial no-knock warrant on Taylor's apartment in March, unaware that her boyfriend was present and the owner of a legal firearm. When he fired at the police, thinking they were burglars, they responded with the shots that killed Taylor. Details of the settlement announced on Tuesday afternoon include a cash payout of $12 million to the family and reforms to the police department. Those reforms include establishing a housing credit program to incentivize officers to live in the low-income areas that they serve. The city will also create a program to dispatch social workers to certain 911 calls. Lawyers for Taylor's family said that it was important that the settlement included not just money, but also changes to the system. The settlement doesn't cover any potential criminal charges that a grand jury might bring against the three officers that shot Taylor, a fact that was highlighted by Taylor's mother, Tamika Palmer, at today's announcement. As significant as today is, it's only the beginning of getting full justice for Brianna. We must not lose focus on what the real job is. And with that being said, it's time to move forward with the criminal charges because she deserves that and much more. Her beautiful spirit and personality is working through all of us on the ground. So please continue to say her name, Brianna Taylor. Moving on, a whistleblower says that Facebook ignored or was slow to act, even with evidence that fake accounts were undermining democracy around the world, saying, quote, I know that I have blood on my hands now. Former Facebook data scientist Sophie Zhang worked on the platform's site integrity fake engagement team tackling 
bots and other coordinated campaigns. Zhang says she was fired by the company this month after refusing to stop focusing on civic work. And on her way out, she wrote a 6,600-word memo detailing the sort of things she was fighting against. In her memo, which BuzzFeed News obtained and published key parts of, Zhang detailed how heads of government and political parties in Azerbaijan and Honduras use fake accounts or misrepresent themselves to sway public opinion. She also found evidence that coordinated campaigns in India, Ukraine, Spain, Brazil, Bolivia, and Ecuador of varying sizes were used to boost or hinder political candidates or outcomes. Zhang wrote that despite this evidence, she was left to act alone as a junior staffer, saying, quote, I have personally made decisions that affected national presidents without oversight and taken action to enforce against so many prominent politicians globally that I've lost count. She also apparently turned down a $64,000 severance package that had a non-disparagement clause, allowing her to speak out internally before she left the company. The full story is on BuzzFeedNews.com, and I highly recommend you read it. And finally, a recent CDC study showed that, yes, little kids can pick up COVID from childcare and pass it on to family members. The study, which was released last Friday, used contact tracing to track several cases back to kids at three childcare centers in Salt Lake County, Utah. Twelve kids got the coronavirus and then passed it on to at least 12 of the 46 people they interacted with outside of the daycare. One parent was hospitalized. And making things a bit more yikes, quote, transmission was observed from two of three children with confirmed asymptomatic COVID-19. That comes with the usual caveats that it's a small case study, etc. And in all the cases, the kids had mild or no symptoms. But it definitely has implications for the debate over whether it's safe to send kids to school during the pandemic. The CDC has been under attack from inside the Trump administration for reports like this one. Politico reported last Friday that the Department of Health and Human Services spokesperson, Michael Caputo, has been claiming that deep state staffers at the CDC are issuing reports like this one based on bad science and intended solely to hurt President Trump. And this is getting especially scary. We're about to enter flu season. Right. Yes. I just got my you know, I just got my email from BuzzFeed today that was, you know, don't forget to get your flu shot. And and it's just like this mix of all these children being in school, interacting with teachers, then interacting with their loved ones. It is an endless cycle that is going to be even more muddied by the flu. But when we have yet to deal with Corona. Absolutely. I mean, there's been so many arguments that like, oh, kids don't either they don't really get coronavirus or they don't really pass it on. Or if they do get it, they'll be fine. But it's clearly possible to get coronavirus as a kid, not know it and then pass it on to the people at home with you. So, yeah, it's still pretty freaking dangerous, even if the kids themselves aren't getting sick enough to like die or need hospitalization. Mm-hmm. Okay, Casey, what is happening in pop culture today? <laughs> well, hey, uh, this weekend, the internet went crazy when Chris Evans accidentally posted what appeared to be a nude from his camera roll. <laughs> Evans was trying to post a screen recording of a game of Heads Up to his Instagram story on Saturday, but didn't clip out the end, which showed his camera roll. And there, among several memes featuring his own face, was what seemed to be a very tasteful shot of a man's penis. Now, we can't say for sure who the picture was of, and Evans took down the story pretty quickly, but that didn't stop people from talking about it, including his Avengers co-star, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo tweeted, quote, 
Bro, while Trump is in office, there is nothing you could possibly do to embarrass yourself. See? Silver lining. Evans finally commented on the whole mess yesterday and in true Captain America fashion used it as a PSA. He tweeted, quote, now that I have your attention, facepalm emoji, shrug emoji, vote on November 3rd. He then went on Tamron Hall's show today where he had this to say about it. That's called turning a frown upside down, Cameron. Uh, you know, it, look, it, it was it was uh, an interesting weekend, full of uh, lessons learned, a lot of teachable moments. Um, you know, you know, things happen. It's embarrassing. You got to roll with the punches. Christopher, Christopher, Christopher. You know what? I think that he handled this really well, or rather his PR handled this really well. <laughs> you know, he took he took a couple days of silence to you know, let this blow over. And then instead of directly talking about it, he he led us towards more important issues. I mean, great move. Great move. Yep. As he has a his nonprofit a politi- about not politics called a starting point. So it makes sense that he uses it as a message to go vote and you know what chris i you got nothing to be ashamed of let's let's just leave it at that (laughs) i what i did love about this was mark ruffalo tweeting about it and people were at mark ruffalo were like dude we know you have an avengers group chat like he's like (laughs) you know like why are you tweeting about it so i love that he was he's just trolling you know chris evans which is the best which is what you could expect yes you you would you if you control captain america you're gonna do it Okay, moving on. If you watched the season premiere of Dancing with the Stars last night, you might have seen a message targeted straight at Tiger King's Carol Baskin. Yes, we've talked about Tiger King a lot on this show, but we promise this is weird enough to bring this up again. Baskin is one of the competitors this season, which, sure, why not? It's 2020. Uh, actually, uh, here's why not. She wasn't very good. <laughs> Her performance didn't air until nearly the end when she danced a not very passable Paso Doble to the song Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> she got the worst score of the night, an 11 out of a 30. <laughs> but even wilder than her appearance was the fact that the family of Baskin's husband, who went missing in 1997, bought an ad that aired during the show. I'm Gail. Don Lewis was our daddy. I'm Linda, and we miss our dad. I'm Donna. We need to know what happened to our father. I'm Ann. All we're asking is justice for Don. Don Lewis mysteriously disappeared in 1997. His family deserves justice. Do you know who did this or if Carol Baskin was involved? A $100,000 reward has been funded. You can call the tip line at 646-450-6530. Baskin told Entertainment Tonight in response, quote, I have not seen the ad. I am not at all surprised. It's just been a huge publicity stunt on their part. So what more could they possibly do than that? Publicity stunt around this case? What? Who would dare Uh, use their fame to get more fame? Uh, I Carol, don't sue. (laughs) No, but I mean, it's it, it is extremely rich coming from her saying it's a huge publicity stunt. I mean, what is her going on Dancing with the Stars, if not a huge publicity stunt? Right. <laughs> I and mean, I got to say, making her do a Paso Doble in her first performance was kind of <laughs> cruel. That's a hard freaking dance. 
It is Hayes. Can I admit something to you? Yes. <laughs> Last night I watched my first episode of Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> they got you. They caught you in. They, they got. No, this is what's happening. I think you know we are now six months into the st- staying at home, working from home, not being outdoors, and TV has been you know something I look forward to. And also in the summer, you know, you don't get a lot of new shows. So this is a new show, and I'm watching it. And I need it. No shame. No shame. You know what? case is a safe space to confess such crimes against television <laughs> all right after a quick break we're talking with dr ayana johnson co-host of the podcast how to save a planet back in a second it we're tired of hearing new year new you fat burning secrets and lose weight fast the only thing you need to lose is self-doubt the body you're in deserves respect love and support support you're not getting from your current sports bra it's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market it's time to feel real support from she fit save ten dollars today at shefit.com 2022 What's up, guys? I'm Rashad Bilal. And I am Troy Millings, and we are the hosts of the Earn Your Leisure podcast, where we break down business models and examine the latest trends in finance. We hold court and have exclusive interviews with some of the biggest names in business, sport and entertainment, from DJ Khaled to Mark Cuban, Rick Ross, and Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, our alumni list is expansive. Listen in as our guests reveal their business models, hardships, and triumphs in their respective fields. The knowledge is in-depth, and the questions are always delivered from your standpoint. We want to know what you want to know. We talk to the legends of business, sports, and entertainment about how they got their start, and most importantly, how they make their money. Earn Your Leisure is a college business class mixed with pop culture. Want to learn about the real estate game? Unclear as how the stock market works? We got you. Interested in starting a trucking company or a vending machine business? Not really sure about how taxes or credit work? We got it all covered. The Earn Your Leisure podcast is available now. Listen to Earn Your Leisure on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our Heart Radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Every day, it feels like we're hearing about some new and terrible way that we're causing the Earth to totally fall apart around us. It can be, well, a lot. But thankfully, there are people out there who are trying to figure out what we can do to keep us from all falling into a pit of climate despair. We're joined today by Dr. Ayana Johnson, the wonkier half of the duo hosting the new podcast, How to Save a Planet. Good afternoon. Hi. I, I feel so honored to be the wonkier half compared to Alex Bloomberg, <laughs> who's like a big planet money dork. <laughs> <laughs> so for people who haven't listened to the show yet, how would you describe it? 
How to Save a Planet is a podcast about what we need to do to address the climate crisis and how to actually make those things happen. So it's very focused on action and systems level change. So not the kind of like guilt you into riding your bike more or, um, you know, obsessing over your individual carbon footprint, but like, how are we going to change our electricity and our transportation and our buildings and our food system and all of that big stuff? Um, together by talking to people doing the most incredible work um, on climate solutions and starting to understand where we can all contribute. And because I am a policy nerd, that comes up a lot too, because we, we need to change the rules of the game if we have a chance to win. So in a recent interview with The Guardian, you said that climate storytelling is, quote, either like doom and gloom or it's so fluffy that it's not going to get us where we need to go. So we're trying to find that sweet spot in the middle. What has been the kind of feedback so far on that balance that you're trying to strike? Um, it's been really good. It's been better than I thought it would be. I mean, it, it's hard because, right, our goal is to create a weekly podcast about climate change that people actually want to listen to. Um, and that's a tall order. So my mother thinks we laugh too much. She wishes it were more serious. Most people are like, great, thank you for like the corny jokes and the comic relief because it's otherwise too heavy. Um, you know, I think my mother is is my best my biggest fan and worst critic. So um, <laughs> she's she's sort of like learning to live with the fact that I'm going to giggle on a podcast about climate change. But, you know, I also cry multiple times in the second episode, just thinking about how much pressure we're putting on young people who are leading the youth climate movement. The fact that teenagers even have to know about this and think about it and worry about it and, and act on it really... Um, moves me. So, you know, we're, we're bringing our whole selves to this, um, to this show. Um, and it's been such an enormous joy to make Alex and I are like this super weird, odd couple where he's like finance, technology, storytelling. And I'm like, science, policy, justice. And then we're both like, oh yeah, that too. Also what you said. So, um, it's been, it's been a total treat. That sounds like the Avengers of climate storytelling, though. Like, you really get, like, both sides, like, the, all the pieces fit together really well. I am not mad at that analogy. Yeah, and we have an incredible team that's built around us, too, right? That so we've got this, like, incredible team of people to help make sure that not only are we telling important stories, but we're, we're doing it in a compelling way. Um, and connecting a lot of the dots, I think that's another challenge for climate communication is just it is intertwined with everything and we often want to make it like just the science and like solar panels and electric cars and like this techno utopian future that we could like possibly build but clearly like if engineering could solve this problem it would already be solved like that's that's not the solution we need technology but it's about how we implement solutions which is like i've been told to stop talking about implementation that it's boring but like that that's what we need, right? Like we need to actually make regenerative farming the status quo. We need to actually, you know, figure out how to make public transit completely electrified. Like these are the things we need to do and we know that they're all possible. So it's really exciting. And getting to do a first episode on offshore wind energy was like 
such a dream come true for a marine biologist climate policy kid. Right. So outside of being a co-host of this show, you're also a marine biologist and a strategist for the future of coastal cities. What are some other ocean-related topics you're excited to explore with your audience? Ooh, thank you for asking. Um, We have an episode coming up, which is about seaweed and how magical it is and what ocean farming could look like in the future as a way to sustainably feed lots and lots of people. And so Alex actually went out on a boat with this guy, Brent Smith, who is a regenerative ocean farmer who farms seaweed and oysters and mussels and clams and scallops in a way that actually heals nature and provides us food that has a super low carbon footprint. And so get some good stories from him. He used to be like this crazy commercial fisherman. So that's one that I'm really excited about. What you mentioned as far as coastal cities, my focus there, I'm the founder of a think tank called Urban Ocean Lab. And that's our focus is the future of coastal cities. And one of the themes that we work on a lot is this idea of managed retreat, which is, can we even keep living in some places given sea level rise projections, given hurricanes? um, Does it make sense to keep rebuilding in the same place over and over if it's just going to keep flooding and getting pummeled? And so that's something that we've talked about covering in future episodes as well. But basically, like everything connects to the ocean. So if we do an episode on how fossil fuel companies are putting all their money into making plastics, which are made from fossil fuels, um, we know a lot of that stuff ends up in the ocean. So I could probably make an argument that every episode is about the ocean because it's a major driver of our global climate system. We were actually just uh, talking about how big plastic has been lying to us about recycling for decades yesterday on the podcast and the way it made it our responsibility to deal with plastic waste. How do you want your listeners to be thinking about climate change and the environment as far as what we can do individually versus what we can do on a bigger scale? Um, I'm so glad you're talking about plastic um, in the context of the oil and gas industry, as opposed to just like, we should eat stress out about our personal waste, which we believe me, like we should all do our part. I do my part. I'm all for that. And, and that does add up. But what we need are better options, right? Like when we go to the store, we just need different options to be there and we don't have complete control over that. And so that's the level at which we want people to be thinking, right? Like what are the levers for shifting the status quo, whether that's something that comes from culture, something that comes from policy, something that comes from technology and innovation or all of the above, what are the ways to change that? And so we've also been, you know, we've been talking about an episode on plastic and oil and gas. We've been talking about one on recycling. We get a lot of emails from listeners. If anyone else wants to email us, it's how to save a planet at Spotify.com. Send us a note. We've gotten a lot of listeners saying that they want episodes on on plastics, on recycling, on on forests, on what's happening in other parts of the world. Lots of great story ideas. So we're very lucky that this is a weekly show that doesn't have seasons. It's just like weekly forever, or as Alex says, until the job is done, which is forever. So we'll be covering all sorts of stuff over the course of the next months and years. So you're also editing an anthology of stories about women leaders in the climate movement called All We Can Save, an anthology of wisdom by women climate leaders. How did working on that shape your perspective for How to Save a Planet? So I actually started working on both of these things at a 
almost exactly the same time. So in December of last year, Alex and I started working together closely. And then Catherine Wilkinson, who I've co-edited this anthology with, were spinning up this book. And so it's an anthology that collects essays written by 41 women climate leaders, plus 17 poems and a bunch of quotes and original illustrations. It's this like beautiful, multifaceted, multi-layered piece of work. Um, and it comes out on September 22nd. So pre-order your copy, buy it, all those things. And the reason we're so excited to put this out in the world is because to date, women have not had enough influence, power, funding, resources within the climate movement, especially women of color. And so to think about what is possible if we can unleash all of that wisdom and potential and ingenuity and put that towards climate solutions, so much is possible. And so we know that, you know, most of the people that are often looked to as leaders on climate, it's a pretty small group of white men. And Catherine and I are both well aware that that does not represent the full spectrum of people doing important work on this topic. And it certainly doesn't represent the full spectrum of leaders that are needed in this moment. We think of the climate crisis as a leadership crisis. Um, we clearly haven't had the people the number of them, the diversity of them to get us on the right track yet. So this is our offering in that regard. And the book has actually, so the title is All We Can Save, which is very parallel with the way that we envision the podcast, right? Which is to say, we're not shying away from the dire scientific predi predictions, but we're also not giving up ever, right? This is a magnificent planet. We love the people who live on it and all the other creatures. So like, let's figure out what we can do. And so all we can save has that same vibe. Like we can't save it all, but like, we're also not quitters. And the subtitle is Truth, Courage, and Solutions for the Climate Crisis, which is also super in sync with the podcast, right? Like we're going to tell it like it is. We're going to talk about solutions and what we can do as individuals and together. And it does take a lot of courage to get there because it's like overwhelming and anxiety inducing and terrifying. I mean, the West is on fire and the South is being pummeled by hurricanes and droughts and floods and all of it. It's a lot. And so figuring out how to acknowledge that complexity is, is key. Right. So with all of the recent news of wildfires in the West and hurricanes out East, it's easy to get overwhelmed and feel hopeless. How are you hoping to get people interested in the more mundane parts of climate change when the headlines are so loud and scary? Are there mundane parts of climate change? <laughs> I mean, I think, I think the answer is like, we're not trying to get people involved in the mundane parts of climate change. We're trying to get people involved in solutions and what is working and where we have opportunities to each pitch in and amplify and accelerate all that good work. Dr. Johnson, thank you so much for joining us today. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, we have time for one more thing. And today, it's the Do Rita. Okay, he's, I don't know what that is, but I already hate it. I want to hear about it. Let's end the podcast right now. <laughs> Goodbye. <Nope. laughs> Sorry, you got to stick around for this one, Casey. But I honestly, I don't blame you. It's Mountain Dew announced today that PepsiCo and Red Lobster have teamed up to make what? the Dorita. Oh, just wait, it gets worse. I'm not at the bad part yet, Casey. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I can only assume that the Dew Rita is a Mountain Dew Margarita. They say that it will pair perfectly with Red Lobster's Cheddar Bay Biscuits, and I am skeptical. I really doubt that that's the flavor combo that you really want. Okay, I'm looking at a picture of it now, and it's it's absolutely toxic looking. These colors, it's bright green and has a red rim of some kind. Like, like what is in this? So apparently the recipe is top secret, according to their press releases. Nobody knows what is actually in this thing. I mean, we can assume that there's probably to tequila and if you think about mountain dew as a like replacement for triple sec almost makes sense in a really disgusting way okay yeah so that makes sense to me in like a really disgusting way but uh, honestly what i think i'm thrown by is the fact that it's pairing perfectly with a cheddar bay <laughs> biscuit I, I just don't think of i don't think of a margarita pairing with that new england sounding biscuit <laughs> no like i i agree that like fatty savory cheesy like fluffiness of of a biscuit doesn't really go like you don't think citrus with that and right and tequila right. i don't know what they were on when they came up with this i'm confused it's weird i don't know i don't think i like it do you know what this also reminds me of okay so this she's on staff her name is krista torres she's one she's one of our parents writers and she has the she grew up in the midwest and she has this drink called a hypnotic that they used to drink do you know what oh, a hypnotic liqueur is i know hypnotic it's I horrifying never, i had never heard of it before but it's this awful color and they mix it with Mountain Dew. <gasps> they mix it with Mountain Dew. And on her 30th birthday party, we made her hypnotic jello shot. Oh my gosh. Hypnotic as a descriptor for people out there. It's this like neon blue, like blue curacao mixed with something, I think, creamy liqueur that was really popular in like the early 2000s. And it's it's horrifying. That's wild. Ooh. Okay, but do you know what I will try? I have to I have to give this a shout out right now because I just read about it this morning. Taco Bell has a wine. It is a jalapeno noir. No. <laughs> okay, I okay. love the pun. The pun is amazing. Yes, I knew you'd love the pun. Down side is that it's only in Canada and I do need to figure out how to get my hands on a bottle. <laughs> so does it have jalapeno flavor or is it just for their pun? Hayes, I did not read that far into it. I signed up immediately. <laughs> I said, I said, check yes. <laughs> okay, listeners, uh, do you want to take a stab at what's in the Dorita? If so, you should open up the voice memo app on your phone, give us your best guess, and send that recording to newsaclock at buzzfeed.com. That's newsaclock, all one word. You can also DM us at newsaclock on Twitter. We'll take the best estimate, and then on Friday, Casey and I will make and try this concoction wait, on air for you. We will what? I have, I have decided that, Casey. I think that that is like, I think that's the move. I think it's the right call for this week. Friday is going to be a day. It is absolutely going to be a day. We'll see how much we regret this uh, a couple days from now. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for today. Join us tomorrow for, I don't know, something that doesn't involve us drinking Mountain Dew, God willing. And remember, on that note, Coca-Cola, you can still strike back and give us the mellow yellow Cosmo. Think about it. Call me. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock.
Hi, I'm Randy, and this is Dave. We're the founders of Bombas, the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. So comfortable, we sold and donated millions of pairs. To sell and donate a lot of socks, we became obsessed with comfort. We reinvented the sock from the ground up, adding comfort innovations along the way. It worked. People tried them, loved them, told their friends about them. Helping us sell and donate millions of pairs. Try them now at bombas.com slash comfy and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash comfy. This season, get football on your terms with NFL Game Pass. Let's go! See every snap from every game with full game replays. What a throw, what a catch! Listen to all the action as it happens with live game audio. Watch the dog, Jeep! Leaping grab Devontae Adams! Plus, watch your team on your time with condensed game replays. Wow! Get football on your terms with NFL Game Pass. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. Give us your attention, we need everything you got fast Waiting on reparations, we be the illest podcast Tune in every Thursday, politics and wordplay We fight for the people cause they got us in the worst way From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye From the left enclave to what the neocons say Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation And break us off with some bread cause we waiting on reparations Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 